Welcome back to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're here to help you focus on Christ. Amen. So, Jack, you know, sometimes things don't go the way that we would envision. Really? (laughs) Ever? Yeah. And sometimes life hits you hard. Mm. Um, I have a friend. um, Her name is Pepper Basham. She is an author. if you like reading romance, word is that she writes a really good kissing scene. And she is a multi-published romance author. Okay. Pepper Basham, B-A-S-H-A-M. And Pepper, thank you for letting me use your words today. Um, I deeply appreciate um, the things that you have written through your grief. Um, Her brother um, died tragically and she expressed some of her feelings in in a post um, that she shared on Facebook. And I messaged her and asked her uh, permission to be able to use this because I think that her words they they certainly spoke to my heart, and I think they will speak to your heart as well. So I just want to share what she wrote after the passing of her brother. This is not to sound maudlin, because I don't feel maudlin. I am not hopeless or in despair. I'm grieving in all the healthy ways a person might grieve, I suppose. I felt it before with my sweet granny, but different. This is just an observation from my own heart, but with grief. You want the world to stop so you can somehow prepare for the next minute, and then the next minute. It's like if you had an extra second or two to prepare, you'd be able to wrap your mind around all the feelings. But things still continue on without stopping. Life, work, cleaning up breakfast dishes and picking up a few groceries... It's such a strange fog of minutes that add up to hours of getting things done or getting nothing done at all. And at the same time, I'm thankful for the something to do, for the minutes that distract my thoughts a little while. And then when the fog clears and I'm reminded that this is all very real, I close my eyes, pray, remind myself of God's goodness and sovereignty, cry a little or a lot, hug one of my favorite people, maybe eat some chocolate, and then I do the next thing. Because God's given me the foggy moments and the clear ones, the right now, and I'm grateful. He's right here in the middle of the right now. Whether I end up actually getting those groceries or not, he is near and he loves big. So there's this quietness, a gentle quietness, even in the fog and the hurt, because God is still here and he is still good. She posts later, grief is a strange thing unexpected, like working on a writing project and looking over on social media to see a photo of my brother pop up, his smile as big as ever. And then reality hits you all over again. 
that this loss has really happened. So you cry and breathe in and remind your heart of truth. And then you may sit for a while to soak in the quiet or a good song. And then you do the next thing. It's so strange how grief is a constant wave of reality hitting you, sometimes knocking you down and pulling you under, sometimes making you stumble, and other times just brushing up against your feet a little. But the sound of it is always there in the background. I know this part of grief lessens. The waves become less powerful and their sound becomes just another noise among the days moving forward. But right now, the crashing sound is still very clear and near. I'm so grateful for the God who calms the waves, but I'm also grateful for all those memories I can hold to with such sweetness because there are so many. And those keep me from going under too often. That and the awareness that the God who made the sea holds my brother as securely now as he did during his entire life. So I can smile and be grateful and daydream about a day when the waves of grief will be no more and faith will be made sight. Pepper, thank you so much for those words because they speak to my heart and they speak to the truth that our Jesus has given us through his life, through his sacrifice for us. You know, John, when my wife died, um, I had people that um, would come to me and uh, in the very first moments, the first hours of that, uh, try to minister to me by quoting scripture, uh, saying things uh, that were just a blur in my memory. And uh, what that writing from Pepper says to me and what that experience of uh, grief personally gives me is that there are uh, different aspects to grief. Yeah. And uh, I have said this, and I hope you'll listen to this exactly the way I mean it. Uh, I didn't haven't read this. This is not a necessarily a biblical statement, but I will say this. There are times in your life where reading the scripture doesn't help. Mm. And what I mean by that is when a preacher would come to me and did come to me and start saying the scripture, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called to according to his purpose. I know that scripture. I could finish that scripture. And, uh, you know, he would say another scripture and another. And this was like the day that she died. And uh, he didn't minister to me too much Mm -mm. that day. But I had a friend that came in, and you were one of them, that didn't say anything, that just was there and gave me a hug and put your arm around me and said, what can I do? And I said, John, what do I do? You know, they want to airlift her to another. And you looked at me and said, Jack, she's gone. Don't do that. Let her go. And I needed that to say the right thing, but not to overspeak that now later on the passages of scripture were amazing. Yeah. So you, you need to move through the process of grief, but you need to move. Uh, too many people in, in that I've met in my life get stuck in their grief 
And their grief begins to define them and begin to hinder them. Own them. And their growth with Christ. And I think she was speaking that, uh, that eventually it will get better. She yeah. said that. And eventually, we, so part of what we are to do and to be according to the scriptures is to love our brothers. And that's a part of loving our brothers is being there for them, yeah. not saying anything if that's what he needs, grieving with him, crying with him if that's what he needs at that moment, or exhorting him and speaking word of scripture if he needs it, or telling him what to do, directing him if he needs it, uh, to be Love him, love your brother, know him, know what he needs. And be that's what I believe God does. And so where I'm going with this is uh, a part of that loving your brother is helping them understand the nature of God and the nature of this life and the nature of the next life. Because let me share this with you. If I have a faith and know that my wife is in heaven with Christ, then I believe I'm going to see her again. So I focus in on my faith in God and that God is there and that he is the answer to my grief, the person of God. What I can give you is this, no matter who you are, no matter who has died in your life or no matter what grief you have, you can trust this today beyond the shadow of a doubt. And that is that God is going to do what's right Amen. in your life because of two things. Number one, what we talked about last time was God is love. And the second is what Pepper brought up. God is good. So if God is good and if God is love and if he sees your pain and he feels your pain because of his love, then he knows there's hope beyond the pain. So move through the grief. Don't live your life according to this. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 13, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, those who have gone on, those yeah. who have died. Don't be uninformed about this. Because if you are uninformed and don't understand that, it's, this says that you may not grieve. As others do. How do others grieve who are not informed about heaven or eternal life or salvation? Well, they grieve with no hope. Yeah. So that grief can stay with you. But if you have the hope of eternal life, for it says in verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even though through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. Hey, we declare to you, there's hope. God is alive. God is coming back again, and he's going to take you to be in heaven. Uh, I, I am telling you that uh, the hope that we have in the eternal life and the eternity of God is that we don't have to grieve as long and, and hold on to it as long because we know that there's hope beyond right. that. And I think that's that's our hope. But, hey, folks, if you have that hope, don't be a person that doesn't love your brother and goes in and scolds them mm. for being angry at God or for right. questioning God. It's okay. It's okay to hurt and to, and to question God and to wonder where he is because God is ready for those questions so that he might then come and give comfort right. and give hope. Did yeah. that all make... It does. <laughs> we, we grieve, but we don't despair. 
Yeah. We don't despair. We hold on to hope. Um, and it's not a false hope. It's not a wishful thinking hope. This is a hope that is real because of what Christ has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. He took our sin upon himself so that we can have eternal life through him. And we hold on to that hope. Um, that's what Pepper's holding on to when she talks about her brother. She's going to be reunited with him in glory. And, um, you know, Jack, when, when Karen passed, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this. I probably did. But I had gone home that night at about 2.30 in the morning just to catch some sleep. And the reason why is because um, I knew he was going to need me the next day because she was still on life support. Right. So that they could wait until it had been 12 hours past the verse said in order to be able to declare her brain dead so that they could take her organs. Right. You know, Uh, if if she wasn't going to donate her organs, they could have just let her slide out. But I needed to be something for him, and I'm useless without some sleep. So I went home. I slept for about three hours. I get up, and as I'm driving back to the hospital, I'm just praying fervently. You know, I'd seen the CT with you. Mm -hmm. And from all medical standpoint, it, it it was over. But in my heart, I'm just praying, desperate for a miracle. (laughs) Just desperate Um, because I hated seeing my friend hurt and I hated losing my friend, Karen. And as I'm driving, I I felt this sense of peace. And in my mind, you know, it's not like I had some vision, whatever. In my mind, I'm picturing God and Christ and Karen together and she's glistening and Mm -hmm. she's in robes of white and I feel God saying to me what better miracle do you want you want me to put her back in that yeah Yeah. that's the miracle that's waiting for us that miracle of life beyond life eternal life Life. That is a real hope. Um, one other thing I want to say is it's not just about how you grieve, but like Jack said, it's about how you help others grieve. And, you know, you talked about the pastor coming in and he's just trying to do the right mm-hmm. stuff. And, but, and sometimes even in that, you don't know what to say. Um, and I think part of that is because at that point we had a brand new pastor and he didn't know you and you didn't know him. And, um, So I think that's part of it. But sometimes it's just grieving with them and it's not having words with them. And do you remember what I said to you a few weeks after that? You probably You might tell me and I might recall it if I'll tell you the truth if I can. can. Okay. Well, I I came up to Jack one time at the church and I, I think this was... Not on a Sunday even. It might have been after a practice or something. And I was probably scolding him because he should have taken some more time off. Okay? Yeah, that's true. Um, and he definitely should have. But, you know, you can only do so much. And he needed to 
keep in it. But anyhow, so I, I well, came, we were doing a big production. Yeah, yeah. So, so I work. So I came up to Jack and I said, Jack, um, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing. Um, and I don't want you to think it's because I don't care. I said, because I'm thinking about caring all the time. I said, but I'm never going to ask you how you're doing. Um, but if you ever want to talk about anything, just know I'm already ready to listen. Now, why did I say that to you? Because when you're going through that grief, sometimes you're walking on a thin line. And you might be focused on something up ahead and you're doing fine. And then somebody comes alongside, how you doing? And that is all it takes to knock you off of the rails and bring you back into your grief when you're otherwise trying Mm. to go through it. Mm. Um, So when you have a friend that's grieving, don't always feel like you need to talk about the subject. Okay. Just be there and love on them. Let them initiate conversation. Um, And if they want to tell you how they're feeling or where they are, that's fine. Um, But maybe you shouldn't bring it up, especially if they're at work or they're in the middle of doing something. Um, And they may not want to focus on that because it's always on their heart. And you know how they're doing. They're grieving. Um, so just be there, love on them, mm-hmm. let them initiate the conversation when it comes to, I need to talk about, you know, my loss or whatever it is. Um, because I've seen too many people fall apart when everybody's asking them, how are you doing? I, I want to say about that pastor, uh, cause I, I do want to say, say this, they came to the, the hospital. He, he was also there in July, the next July. Uh, the reason I didn't take off much work was because we had a production, a Christmas production going, and you know how you feel. I'm the only one that can do this, and I should have taken off more time. But uh, I bought a headstone, and because of the frozen ground, they didn't put the headstone in, and they didn't put it in, and they didn't put it in. Now we're in July, and they still hadn't put the headstone up. And so I was driving by the cemetery on my way to the church building to do the 4th of July program. The patriotic program. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to drive into the cemetery and, you know, see if that headstone's up. And I drove in and I looked as I came, you know, down the road and it was. And I, I stopped and I got out and I looked at that headstone and I broke emotionally. I hadn't, I hadn't done that since November the 15th. That's the date she died. Now we're in July. And when I saw her name and the date of her birth and the date of her death, and I put a, an inscription on her gravestone, the inscription said, loved by Jesus, she loved all. And I read that and I saw it and I just broke. I mean, I'm crying, I'm sobbing, tears are coming. I'm an emotional wreck and that doesn't, probably has happened twice in my life. And I just didn't know. I couldn't. I couldn't get it together. I got in my car and I drove to the church building. And I went into the choir room early. No one was there, and that pastor came in, and I was crying and praised the Lord for him. He put his hand around my shoulder and he said, "Jack, let's pray." And he just prayed with me, and the power of God 
And the Spirit of God came into me and gave me the strength to go through the program and, uh, you know, just to be able to, to walk through that grief. So sometimes we just, we miss it, but it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes we get it right. But what I'm encouraging you all to do is to be there for your friend. I'm going to talk about Mike again because Mike's one of my best friends. Mike and Kathy were the ones that just kept inviting me over to dinner and, uh, you know, just kind of being there, coming by, giving me a call and uh, not doing anything like talking about it. But they know me, so they would make jokes and they would laugh and tease and and it was and then talk stories and remembrances. Man, that's that was like um, penicillin. You know, to somebody that had <laughs> the need of that. Penicillin uh, that tastes good. Yeah, that tastes good, yeah. <laughs> with, with a spoonful of sugar, there right? There you go. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that all of us eventually are going to go through grief. Yeah. Because that's this world is about separation. Yeah. And uh, the separation, and I will tell you that November the 15th this year will be 20 years, 20 years that she died. Seems like wow. two. <laughs> it's been yeah. 20 years. Yeah. And, um, but it helps me now to understand others' grief and to be able to minister to them because I have experienced the grief. And I think that's what the scripture says. Once you've gone through the fire, the furnace, Allow the furnace, the grief, to remove the dross, the sin, the extra baggage that we have to purify you. And then when you've gone through that furnace, through that grief, difficult experience of suffering and grown because of your faith in Christ, then turn around and see that friend coming through that same furnace. Reach in and help them through it. Yeah, That's what it's about. And when we can do that, I think then we understand the love of God and that he is good and that he's working through our lives to bring help and hope and love to our brother. And that makes our life, I think, much more worthwhile. Yeah. So We do not grieve as those who have no hope. That's right. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, yeah, always feel free to reach out, connect at jackandjohnpodcast.com. Um, we love you. Um, if you're grieving, our hearts and our prayers are with you. Um, and our love and our hope in Christ is with you. And our prayer that you have a brother or sister to come alongside you. Yeah. And if you know someone, you be that brother. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Yeah.